The following is a presentation of Tomorrow's World. It's one of the most controversial and polarizing beliefs of mainstream Christianity. The belief in a place called hell, where the immortal souls of the lost and unbelieving go when they die, to writhe and suffer in eternal torment, pain, and anguish forever. But does this idea actually come from the Bible? And if it's true, how do we reconcile the idea of a fair and just God with the knowledge that the vast majority of human beings who have lived and died have not only not been Christians, but have not even had the opportunity to even hear the name of Jesus Christ spoken aloud? Should they be tormented by demons in pain for eternity when they never had even a chance of avoiding their fate? Are there at this moment literally multiple billions of people experiencing an eternal life of torment in the flames of hell? Join us right now on Tomorrow's World where we will open our Bibles and shine the light of God's truth on these burning questions. It all starts with exposing the secret history of hell. Stay tuned. Greetings and welcome to Tomorrow's World. My name is Wallace Smith and it's wonderful to be with you again. On today's program, we're going to talk about hell. And it's a conversation that will probably surprise many of you. We're going to look into God's Word to see what He really says on the subject. And we're going to be challenged about whether we're ready to believe what the Bible actually says or whether we'd rather hold on to what we think the Bible says. But if we're willing to believe it, the picture painted by Scripture is more wonderful than almost anyone understands. We'll also be offering everyone watching today a fascinating free resource, Is This the Only Day of Salvation? Be sure to note the information that shows on your screen during the program to get your own copy. Now as we get started, let me ask you, what images come into your mind when you think about hell? For some, Perhaps they think of a fiery pit of agony where the immortal souls of the unbelieving and unforgiven are forced to spend their undying days for eternity, where demons with long pitchforks are assigned to torture those souls, screaming and writhing in horror for an eternal life of misery, pain, and sorrow. The scenes may vary, but there are many key common elements. Immortal souls of the dead, doomed to consciously suffer and agonize forever, tormented, often actively so, by demonic torturers, forever without hope and forever without God. So we get these ideas from the Bible, right? That's where they come from? Actually, they do not. 
You can search the Bible from Genesis to Revelation and you will not find these details in your Bible. You'll find no assigned demonic tormentors with pitchforks with the immortal souls of people boiling in hot boiling oil and bubbling pitch. You'll find no exotic torture rooms where sadistic instruments are used in causing untold nightmares. You'll not find visions of the shadowy immortal dead roaming wastelands forever like zombies lamenting their loss. The history of these images and ideas is not to be found in the Bible, though many have attached these concepts to biblical passages. No, the history of these concepts of hell lie in ancient paganism. For instance, the ancient Sumerians believed in a land of the dead where doomed souls served the gods in utter darkness with nothing to eat for themselves but dust and clay. The ancient Canaanites and other peoples had similar stories. The Egyptians believed in a realm in which otherworldly beings could mete out punishments on the dead and they would equip themselves with spells that they believed would allow them to negate such burdens in the afterlife. As has happened with so many of the creations of the pagan world throughout history, these ideas were adopted by apostate Jews and Christians over the years until many believe that modern ideas of hell actually originate with Christianity, but they do not. In fact, one of the most influential descriptions of hell was a work of political fiction, the 14th century work of Italian poet Dante Alighieri. In his famous poem, Inferno, he imagines himself being guided through a tour of hell by the ghost of the Roman poet Virgil. There he passes through multiple levels of hell as he descends where the tortures become more and more violent and extreme as the sins of the sufferers become more and more vile and deplorable until at the very bottom he encounters an imprisoned Satan seen to be personally gnawing on Judas Iscariot, the betrayer of Jesus. It is a terrible tale to read and frankly a very political one. It is not a coincidence that Dante made sure his poetic hell was populated with dead individuals he believed were traitors to his political party or to his version of Catholicism. These things, pagan cultures and works of fiction, are the real history of our common concept of hell. But what is the truth? We see the word hell in our Bibles, what does the Bible really say about the state of the dead? Where is hell and who is going there? We'll begin addressing that in the next part of our program. But first, let me give you an opportunity to request our free resource, Is This the Only Day of Salvation? For thousands of readers, this eye-opening booklet has completely revolutionized how they understand God's plan for mankind and has renewed their hope for loved ones long dead. This booklet will use your own Bible to answer questions such as, what happens to the billions of people who have died without even hearing about Jesus Christ? If God is trying to save the world now, why do so many still reject Him? And what is the mystery of the Valley of Dry Bones? I can speak from personal experience. 
This information changed my life and filled me with a hope for my lost loved ones that I had never thought possible. Call us or go online for your free copy today. For today's free informative offer, send your request to Tomorrow's World, P.O. Box 3800, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28227. Or call this toll-free number, 1-800-236-0531. That number again is 1-800-236-0531. With this offer, you will also receive your free subscription to Tomorrow's World magazine, full of timely articles and unique insights on today's important issues. Tomorrow's World magazine keeps you up to date with world trends, Bible prophecy, and the very meaning of life itself. Tomorrow's World. Call now. Welcome back. To fully understand the truth about hell and to find the hope you need in a God who's both loving and merciful and just and holy, you really should request the booklet we're offering today, Is This the Only Day of Salvation? Don't forget to request it or download it from our website before this program's over. But for today, if we're going to get past the unbiblical concept of hell, that has been passed down from the pagan world and has been taken for granted by people for generations, we need to address three important mistakes that confuse people on this subject. And please understand, I used to make these mistakes myself. It wasn't until I was challenged to study what the Bible really says about them and to be willing to set aside my own traditional beliefs if I found that they disagreed with the Bible, that I finally learned the truth. I make that same challenge to you now. Be willing to check up on me on the things I'm about to show you and look them up in your own Bible. Don't believe me. Believe your Bible. Get our booklet, even if it's to prove me wrong. But do so prayerfully and humbly. And if you find that the Bible does not agree with what you've been taught before, then be willing to change to follow your Bible. Here are the three key biblical mistakes that confuse people about hell. First, the Bible nowhere teaches that man has an immortal soul. Yes, the Bible teaches that there is a spirit in man, which combined with his physical brain produces the human mind. And yes, man has a soul, a spark of animating physical life within him, just as the animals do. But does the Bible teach that the soul of man is inherently immortal and indestructible? No. The Bible is so remarkably clear on this matter. Uh, turn to Matthew chapter 10, verse 28, and ask yourself as you do so, whether or not you're willing to believe the plain words of the Bible or whether you're going to twist them to make them fit what you've always believed. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 28. And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, 
but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. No, the soul is not indestructible, not immortal. It can be destroyed just like the body. The Bible makes it clear that immortality is a gift of God given to those who follow and obey Jesus Christ, not something inherent within us. Look at Romans 6.23, a familiar verse to many, but think about what it says. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. It does not say that the wages of sin is eternal life in torment, while the gift of God is eternal life in bliss. No, the wages of sin is death, the absence of life. Can we believe the simple words of the Bible? Can't we all agree on what death means? Consider one of the most popular verses with professing Christianity, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He sent His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Again, being alive forever is God's gift. The opposite is perishing, dying, and being destroyed forever, coming to nothing. Finally, let's turn to the Old Testament prophet of Ezekiel, who makes the point very clear. In Ezekiel 18 and verse 4, Behold, all souls are mine, the soul of the Father as well as the soul of the Son is mine. The soul who sins shall die. And again in verse 20, the soul who sins shall die. Rather than an immortal soul, the soul of man is very mortal indeed and subject to death and destruction. This is why so many scriptures tell us that the dead know nothing, that the dead do not think or praise or thank God, that they're not conscious, simply because the dead are dead awaiting a resurrection to life. We'll address the next two misunderstandings next, but first let me pause for a brief moment to give you a quick opportunity to request our free resource, Is This the Only Day of Salvation? Don't guess, wonder, or worry about the fate of your friends and loved ones who have died. Prove it for yourself and know. Call right or click today. Today's offer is yours absolutely free. No cost, no obligation. Visit us online at tomorrowsworld.org. Find us on Facebook, watch us on YouTube, and follow us on Twitter. In our last segment, we made clear what the Bible says about the concept of the immortal soul. Man is mortal, not inherently immortal at all. And while it may have been a shock, it really is the plain teaching of the Bible. But with that understanding from God's Word in place, we're now ready to tackle the second mistake that many make that confuses them about hell. They misunderstand that translators often inaccurately use one word, hell, to cover many different meanings in the original languages of the Bible. 
In fact, where many Bibles use the one word hell, the original languages of the Bible, Greek and Hebrew, actually use four different words that communicated three different ideas. Understanding what the original words mean is vital to understand the true meaning of the Bible and the state of the dead. Let's look briefly at those four words, often poorly translated with the single word hell. Two of them, the Greek word Hades and the Hebrew word Sheol, simply mean pit or grave, and not a place of eternal torment at all. It is simply the place where all eventually go when dust returns to dust. As Ecclesiastes 9.10 says, Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. For there is no work or device or knowledge or wisdom in the grave, Sheol, where you are going. This is not the torturous hell of popular Christian imagination. Now, one word only used once in the Bible for hell is Tartaru, a form of the Greek word Tartarus, used by the Apostle Peter to refer to a condition of temporary restraint for fallen angels who are being reserved for the day of judgment. As he says in 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 4, God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell, Tartarus, and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment. W. E. Vine's widely respected expository dictionary of biblical words explains this word in detail. The verb tartaru, translated cast down to hell in 2 Peter 2.4, signifies to consign to Tartarus, which is neither Sheol nor Hades nor hell but the place where those angels whose special sin is referred to in that passage are confined to be reserved unto judgment. The region is described as pits of darkness. Again, this is not the hell of Dante's Inferno and not the abode of dead human beings. The third and final word is Gehenna. Now this Greek word referred to the Valley of Hinnom, a burning garbage dump outside of Jerusalem. Anciently, it was a place where apostate Israelites sacrificed their children to pagan gods. And in Jesus' day, it was a place where a fire was kept going day and night to burn the city's refuse and garbage, including the bodies of animals and sometimes criminals and the worst offenders of society tossed in to be ignominiously consumed and destroyed as unwanted filth. It is this place name that Jesus Christ used in Matthew 10, verse 28, to symbolically describe the fire at the end of the age that would be used to destroy the bodies and souls of all the wicked forever, called later in the book of Revelation, the lake of fire. Now recall, he said that God will destroy both body and soul in this lake of fire, not miraculously keep them alive to torment them forever. Again, this is not the eternal, creatively evil torture chamber of pagan imagination.
We'll discuss more about the lake of fire later in the program, but I think you'll agree. Seeing how hell is one English word mistakenly used to translate four different words in two languages that carry three separate meanings, it's no wonder that there's confusion. The next time someone asks you about hell, you might want to ask them which hell they're talking about. The third mistake people make concerning this topic is the focus of our last segment. Just what does happen to the dead? Are they all simply lost forever? They are not. And the plan of God for them is far larger than you may have ever heard before. And it's right there in the pages of your own Bible. We'll address that mistake in just a moment. But first, let me give you one last opportunity before we conclude to request the free booklet we're sending out today, Is This the Only Day of Salvation? Think of it. By some estimates, 60 to 100 billion people have lived and died on planet Earth and have never even had the chance to hear the name of Jesus Christ. I can't encourage you strongly enough. Prove the truth for yourself. Call, write, or click today to get your copy. You'll be glad you did. For today's free informative offer, send your request to Tomorrow's World. P.O. Box 3800, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28227. Or call this toll-free number, 1-800-236-0531. That number again is 1-800-236-0531. With this offer, you will also receive your free subscription to Tomorrow's World magazine, full of timely articles and unique insights on today's important issues. Tomorrow's World magazine keeps you up to date with world trends, Bible prophecy, and the very meaning of life itself. Tomorrow's World, call now. Welcome back. We've reviewed two major mistakes people make when trying to understand what the Bible says about death and hell. They fail to understand that there's no immortal soul that God made man mortal, not inherently eternal. They also fail to understand that the word hell in their Bibles is actually a poor translation of four different ancient words, which have completely different meanings than the pagan concept of a spooky realm of eternal sadistic torture. And the third important mistake people make is this. They misunderstand the biblical resurrections. While it's a surprise to many, the Bible describes three distinct resurrections, each defined by its intention and results. Our free booklet today explains what the Bible says about these resurrections in fascinating detail, but let's summarize them all briefly. Today's true Christians who die in the faith or who are alive at Jesus Christ's second coming will be part of the first resurrection, described in Revelation chapter 20, verses 4 through 6, and raised in glory and power, and will rule alongside Jesus Christ for a 
thousand years during the soon coming millennium on the earth. But if there is a first resurrection mentioned in the Bible, there must also be a second resurrection. That second resurrection is the white throne judgment after the thousand year millennium described in Revelation chapter 20 verses 11 and 12. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, for there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The Greek word for books is biblion. And in the second resurrection, the books, the Bible, will for the very first time be open to the understanding of the billions of human beings who have lived and died before Christ's return without hearing the true gospel of Jesus Christ. Like Christians today, the Bible will finally be open to their understanding and they'll be judged fully by its teachings. This is not a second chance for these people. It will be their first true opportunity to understand God's truth, to repent of the sins that they've finally seen in their lives, and to accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. Many of your own loved ones, thought lost forever, very well may be in that resurrection. But God will not rob us of free will. He's not creating robots, but beings who willingly and humbly choose to accept His will over their own. He'll not force these rebellious people to obey Him, and some will sadly reject the sacrifice of Jesus Christ in favor of worshiping their own will and self-rule to the bitter end. For these, resurrection will be for the purpose of eternal destruction in the second death of the lake of fire, described in Revelation 20, verses 14 through 15 and 21, verse 8. Standing before the lake of fire and tormented by the terrifying knowledge of what their choices have earned, they will be cast into the lake and burned up forever. For the wages of sin is death, eternal death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And rather than live forever with God, they will die forever, never to live again. If God is opening your mind to the beautiful knowledge of His way, if He's opening your mind to understand the gospel of the kingdom of God and to obey His laws and live in His grace, then you need to act on what you know. Seek your incredible reward in that coming kingdom. God is loving and He is just. He will give all an opportunity in His own time, but He expects you to act on that opportunity. Only you can choose whether or not you will do so. I hope you will. Thanks for watching. Please don't forget to request your free booklet today. And I hope you'll join us again next week, right here or online anytime. 
Richard Ames, Gerald Weston, and I will continue to share with you the teachings of Jesus Christ, the good news of His coming kingdom, and the exciting end-time prophecies and their meaning. Take care, and be sure to join us right here again next week at this same time. To view the Tomorrow's World telecast or request today's free offer, visit us online at tomorrowsworld.org. Remember to find us on Facebook and be sure to follow us on Twitter. The preceding program is produced by the Living Church of God.